You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, we are so lucky to have Jay Cheney. Jay has been one of Canada's top planners of the Creative Report Card for the past two years in a row and was listed one of the top four planners in the world in 2018 and 2019, according to AdAge. He is known for pushing the limits of advertising and redefining the strategy and planning role. His work has contributed to some internationally game-changing and award-winning campaigns, including Coho's Dream Thieves, Sick Kids Versus, Honey Nut Cheerios, Bring Back the Bees, and McDonald's Our Food, Your Questions, which has set a global standard for transparency in advertising. Jay is the past chair of the strategy program at Toronto's Miami Ad School. Prior to founding Broken Heart Love Affair, Jay was CMO at Coho and served in strategy roles at Cossette. LG2, Tribal DDB, Critical Mass, and Blast Radius. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Our audience is really excited to uh, to have you here. Amazing. Thanks for having me, Daryl. And uh, hi, everybody. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Uh, that's awesome. Well, Jay, as our guest can, listeners can really tell, you already have a, a long list of accolades and work and campaigns. Can you maybe take a step back look at the beginning of your foray into marketing and share with their audience, you know, what is your origin story and, and how did you get to where you started working on all these awesome campaigns and awesome companies? Sure. So it's funny, I had to unpack it just not too long ago. Um, my actual origin story was, I think it was a high school. I went and participated in, it was a young achievers program. And I don't know why I just was, as a kid, I was like, sure, let's, let's, let's try this out. And, it was amazing because there was these mentors from the business community and what they do is they get, they bring these mm-hmm. kids together and you create a product and you have to, to sell it. And they gave me the marketing role and I had no idea what that even meant. But I think at that moment, that was the point of inspiration for me. I think fast forward, I always joke, I was a failed baseball player and kind of just meandered through university trying to find things that I loved. And I remember, and I don't even remember what billboard it was, but there was a billboard. I remember thinking, I want to do that. Like, I just want to have that effect on Hmm. people. And so, you know, early dot-com days, I came out of school and my first job was selling website development, probably mid-90s, when people didn't even know why they wanted a website and things like spinning gifts were the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) And and then it just happened to me. Like, I just kind of, that company was acquired during kind of a heavy period of acquisition by an organization that was doing film post-production and print production. And they brought us as a kind of an internet group into this, under this concept of kind of this, you know, I don't even know what they called it anymore. It's just like bringing these pieces together under one roof. And that's kind of where things took off. I spent years doing pure play digital marketing strategy roles with Blast Radius and Critical Mm -hmm. Mass. And my time at Tribal DDB kind of brought me into kind of above the line as well. That's awesome. When you're looking back at your university foray and, and how, you know, you said you're a failed baseball player, I'm assuming that meant you you went there on a baseball scholarship where you tried out for the team and then decided to switch. I actually hurt myself before I ended up playing so that I, I kind of just had to pick a, a school at the last second and I stuck in Calgary. Yeah. And, and literally didn't know what I was doing. I was, I think I was 17 when I was admitted into university and I had no idea. I never thought about where I wanted to be until that point, but I was really attracted to the communications program. And I remember there was a professor, Charles Auckland, who had worked at the CBC. And I just kind of really, really 
Doug, that course and, and the people that I was with. And a lot of them have gone on to be incredibly talented mm-hmm. marketers in their own right. And one became a really well-known film director. And so it was just a, a really inspiring program that kind of turned out some really talented people. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Well, well, fast forward to today, you know, you're one of the founders of Broken Heart Love Affair. And embarrassingly enough, like when I saw your name and your company on my list of interview, uh, interviews, I was like, cool, I'm interviewing a guy who founded a band. You know, I didn't, I didn't really understand what, what it was. But then I obviously Googled it, saw the website. Can you share with our audience, you know, what is what is Broken Heart Love Affair? And, and kind of what was what are the core values that, that go into that name? And, and, you know, that name is just so catchy. Like, what what is it? And, and what, what do you guys do? Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll give full credit to Tony Chapman, who's an amazing marketer in his, in his own right. You know, for the band, the band style name, I actually, he was one of the first people I met when I knew I wanted to launch an agency. And he's just like, you have to think about yourself like a band. And for some reason that stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> this industry needs to be a bit more rock and roll and we need to kind of push the limits. And, you know, I think there was two things that were fundamental in the name. One, we're always telling our clients that they have to find their why. And I found it interesting that most agencies were named after what or where or who, but nobody named themselves after the why. So it was really critical to us to find a name that kind of spoke to why we're doing this. And nice. It's really funny because all my partners are incredibly successful in the business. Um, you know, we're heads of some really amazing agencies with tons of great staff doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. And we all laughed to do this crazy thing that turned out to be even crazier given the timing. But there had to be a reason behind it. And that reason really was that we all love the work so much and, and really love the, the experience of being in advertising. It's something that we all kind of just like, it's just such a mm-hmm. fundamental part of our lives. But at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a crazy process because you spend so much energy and effort and there was so many things happening in the industry that were really taking away from the joy of it. Part of it being just the experience mm-hmm. that people are having in the industry is, you know, budget pressures were mounting and just different experiences uh, across the board. And on top of that, it kind of parallels the experience when you create something, you create something. And my partner, Carlos, always says this, he's like, you have this idea and you're in love with it. And then you go to the client and the client's like, nope, wrong, kill it. And your part's broken. But that's the moment when you're catapulted to find a new answer, to find a new solution. And that requires a level of love to keep you going. If you don't, then you just you get crushed by it. So that's the broken heart love affair part. And it's interesting because it also mimics. I love that. Yeah. It mimics our planning process, which is like, there's a tension, right? And that tension is between that broken heart and that love affair part. So that kind of awkwardness of the name and the kind of the weirdness of it is all really important to what we do and how we do it. Thanks for sharing, Jay. That's uh, such a cool story. And I love the way you, you kind of position that the name behind uh, your agency is the why you guys do what you do versus versus the what. I, I got to say, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to plug myself here, but the yeah. name of my agency is called Antisocial. And it's exactly the same thing. Like, I love the approach. You know, we felt that brands, when they evolved their marketing strategies to be digital, doing it in the worst possible way by re- repurposing broadcast out of home and they were yeah. being antisocial, you know, through yeah. their social media. So anyways, yes. the, the broken heart love affair makes so many sense because I yeah, feel like great. I've been in that position countless I times. Love, <laughs> I love the name by the way too. I'm a huge fan of it. It was one of the first things that caught my attention. I was like, cool. that's like a phenomenal name. Thanks, man. Yeah. 
So, I mean, looking at your partners, looking at the skill sets of what you guys all bring to the table, wow, like what a, what a list of, of amazing companies that you and your partners have worked for and, and teams yeah. that you've led. Tell our listeners, what is your strategy when you come to building strategy for brands? What's your approach? And I know this is a really, you know, can be a long answer, but if we can simplify it into like a takeaway for our, for our audience, like when you're looking at building a brand strategy, how yeah. do you begin that process for you? It's a great question uh, and trying to think about how to do it in a simple phrase. Uh, fundamentally, you have to look at what the brand wants to accomplish and why it's not accomplishing it. And you have to get deadly honest about what's actually happening. And I think that's where we all kind of fall into a bit of a trap is that we're not totally honest with what's happening between the consumers and the brand itself. Mm-hmm. So once we can isolate that, what we'll call tension between the consumer and the brand, then we can start to solve the problem. And that's when the strategy kicks in. That's amazing. It's definitely something you you just you're such a veteran in, in terms of how you're able to to digest and process that answer. I mean, I remember starting in this industry, the that's the question. How what's how how do I start building this? What is the proper approach? I know that our listeners, you know, if they're in my spot, they would be looking for some advice from yourself, especially someone with your experience. Can you can you give some advice to, you know, junior and associate strategists that are just starting in, in marketing industry. Maybe, you know, they're you looking at that billboard or they're you looking at a Google ad for the first time and they're going, Hey, like, this is something that I think I'd like to work in. What are some advice you can kind of give people just starting their foray into marketing? One of the pieces of advice I give everybody is spend your time deconstructing other people's work. And so when I see work coming out um, from different agencies uh, just in the wild, there's two things I like to do. I want to look at it and say, what was their strategy? And then why does it work and why does it not Mm -hmm. work? And then formulate an opinion on how it could be better. And that's not to say that Mm -hmm. I'm always better at what than than those people, but it's, it trains your brain to think critically and, and positively about what the work is out there in the universe and when you can see it through those lens, that lens and you can start to see common themes, the reason that's important is because I think one of the most critical skills you can have as a planner is decisiveness and in- intuition. So being able to identify the answer very quickly, when you do that, it, you start to internalize a lot of details about how advertising works and you can draw on that internalization to make quick decisions. That's some really solid advice. Definitely appreciate that. I I know that that's something that you probably do all the time. I definitely resonate with that. The Olympics were just on, just wrapped up. Did you find yourself spotting any campaigns or brand activations throughout the Olympics that you you were trying to break down? Yeah, I I don't want to sound cynical, but I think and we were talking about this today with a client. They had the same response, which is I was actually a bit disappointed with the advertising, the Olympic advertising. I find... It's very, mm-hmm. very similar. It's very difficult for me to recall a brand and what they did. And that's partly because everybody is taking the oh, exact yeah. It's almost like everybody had the same brief. Totally. I can't, if I'm thinking about advertising right now, I can't think of a single brand that's no. uh, activated at Tokyo. Like I can't, I can't recall a single one. Sorry, I cut you off there. What were you about no, to say? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we were talking as a great example. Denise, my partner, loves Nike. And I think Nike is probably on the planet, one of the best advertisers. Um, but years ago, I think Definitely. it was years ago in the Olympics, they did Find Your Greatness. They weren't sponsors of the Olympics and they did something counter to the Olympics where they had this really beautiful piece of this little guy running towards camera and 
you know, he was a little bit overweight, but they talked about the fact that, you know, greatness is a relative thing. And it was such an amazing commentary uh, and, and for the context of the Olympics, I'm kind of craving that where somebody's telling a different story and coming at it from a different angle. And I don't think anybody did. Yeah. I want to say my favorite Olympic marketing campaign and, and probably for the wrong reasons is when I was a kid, when McDonald's <laughs> rolled out their curly fries yeah. for the Olympics. Like I think this for the rings, right? I think this was yeah. like, must've been like 1995 or 1996 or something. And that still yeah. stuck sticks in my head today. They got to bring yeah. the product back. Great product. I love it. Curly fries <laughs> are amazing. Yeah. So looking back at this past year, obviously, you know, if you, if you, every single industry has been impacted on, I would argue massive levels across, you know, consumer habits, messaging, value propositions, um, because of COVID. Yeah. What are some things that you've noticed? And that's kind of too general. I, let me rephrase that. With regards to marketing strategy, you know, what has COVID been the biggest watershed moment for? Like when you think about it like this in terms of our industry, in terms of marketing, what has COVID really changed or forced us marketers to evolve when it comes to consideration? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, and I'm going to sound self-serving in the answer partly. I think no, please. I think one of the things we're hearing a lot of is that brands are seeking to figure out how to reconnect with consumers. And that, to me, really kind of starts to ask questions of the brand. And for the last, let's say, 10 to even 15 years, a lot of brands have divested of branding in general. And some really interesting conversations mm-hmm. with Mark where they're like, really, we need to figure out how to reconnect with human beings again. And, you know, we have the machines running, but we need to learn how to to form a great emotional bond with our consumers and not rely on that machine so much. And uh, that's where a lot of the opportunities we're seeing come to us is coming through is these companies that just didn't didn't remember how to connect with consumers or are starting to begin the process of connecting with those consumers. Can you maybe take a look back through your memory banks here and, and kind of recall a couple of the campaigns you've seen since COVID's kicked off that have really stood out and maybe get into a little bit of the why that stood out for you? Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the XL spot is phenomenal. Everybody loved it. You know, I, we, we like to say that the best campaigns out there are the ones that we hear from non-advertising people that they love. And, you know, I was getting the Excel spot sent to me by my mom, by my aunts. Mm-hmm. And that's a clear signal that they've hit a great emotional cord. So I think Excel's done a phenomenal job. I'm trying to think of some others. Lululemon and Droga just launched something just the other day that's phenomenal. And, you know, I think the stuff that was done around COVID, I was never really a fan of. But the stuff kind of on the periphery, Excel is probably the, the example that that actually is related to COVID, but that I liked. I think Womb Stories is probably one of the best pieces of communications I've seen in so many years. Um, one thing, the observation that I make, made about it to a client was, you know, uh, as a male, you as a male, I never have a need for feminine hygiene products or any mm-hmm. kind of connection to it. The fact that I can experience that, that, that video and all the pieces around it and feel something and feel a connection to it and mm-hmm. a level of, uh, of empathy and desire to see it again tells me that they, they've done something that's so fundamentally human that it's just exceptional. So that, that's probably one of my favorites. I think... You that's know, awesome. Yeah. Beats by Dre did some amazing work. Uh, again, not related to COVID, but more to uh, Black Lives Matter and I think also exceptional work as well. At Parker... 
Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. For, for our listeners that uh, aren't, aren't familiar with that Excel campaign, can you maybe take us through it and take us through what the core messaging was? Sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately it's, you know, it was a, a scene of coming out of COVID, all these people racing to the streets, kissing and, and making out with reckless abandon to the level of absurdity. <laughs> and, and I think why it's so magical is because they took it to a level of absurdity. I think there's two components to it. One is it's like, People just want fun back in their lives and they want to laugh and they want to kind of feel good. And I think they delivered on that in spades. And then the other side of it is it's just pure entertainment. Like it, it's just like it's, it's it wasn't everybody was so carefully trying to manufacture commentary during that time. And I think yeah. they just didn't care. It just was more about creating something that was fun and, and engaging, which I loved about it. Yeah, that, it did stick out as an entertaining piece for sure. It was one that I would like, kind of stop what I was doing every time I get served it in like pre-roll or anything, you know? Yeah, and it ties directly into the product, which is like, that's the magic bullet, right? It's one thing to do something crazy. It's another thing to do something crazy that relates directly to what the product does, which is amazing advertising. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of... Not not the vision which you sh- you've shared in detail about Broken Heart Love Affair, but more so the the natural progress I guess to founding your own agency after having worked brand side, having worked agency side, getting to the, getting to a point within your career where you're like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to start my own agency now. That is something that is super interesting, and I think a lot of our listeners whether they're in the beginning stages of that or, or thinking about that at some points, um, it is something that will eventually be a decision for them. Yeah. For yourself, when you're reflecting on kind of that push to, to start your own agency and to find the right people to, to do it with, without getting into, you know, obviously some of the details that you can't share, what was that, what was that, I guess, that catalyst moment for you? When did you realize that you were going to start your own agency? And then ultimately, you know, how did, how did that get started? What was the first couple of steps? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, there's, it's, it's like anything there's, there's drips, right. And there's a little pokes into your world that mm-hmm. kind of push you into that direction. And one of my first pokes was a good friend, Shane Ogilvie, who uh, owns a garden now. And I was at his house having dinner with him just before he launched the garden mm-hmm. and he was terrified. And then I went and had dinner with him again after a few months of him having launched the garden. And, you know, he was terrified for a different reason because they were having so much success and, and just seeing how fulfilled he was and how happy him and Sherry were. And then, you know, the same, having a, a, a conversation with Zach at Zulu and, you know, him just outright asked the question, why don't you just launch your own agency? Like, it's not as bad as mm-hmm. everybody makes the sound. And those questions, they always stuck in the back of my mind. And there was one day when I was speaking to a good friend who was also a client and the president of a well-known CPG. And, you know, he just kind of said, Jay, if you had ever cracked the code on bringing guys like you and Carlos and Peter directly to clients, um, you can figure it out financially and you can make it so that I can afford it. You have gold. And that was it. That just kind of got my head spinning on how do you crack that code? How do you how do you bring senior level talent to people in a way they can afford it? Because if you can do that, then, you know, there's there's obvious advantages to it from from a positioning perspective. So I spent probably two years just every day writing down, trying to figure out, mm-hmm. trying to work the economics of advertising. What, it, what we realized is that, you know, there is, it's, you have to invert the entire kind of economic model of advertising, you know, to, to put it on its head, basically. And then I just kind of sat out and was like, Carlos is one of my favorite people that I've worked with in my life. And it's just an amazing human being. Denise and Todd, same thing. And then I met Bev when I was freelancing and, Bev was probably the one where I knew who I wanted my creative partners to be. And then we were like, we need this business partner. And, and Bev just came into my life and it was very serendipitous. And it wasn't obvious at first, but then it became incredibly obvious and uh, from a timing perspective. So, you know, just having those conversations and, you know, the biggest conversation we had was like, obviously starting your own thing. And, and you probably know this more than, more than I do. It's like, it's a, what am I getting into? And, are we going to succeed in, in <laughs> even pre-COVID conversation? Yeah. Right? And, and what we kind of came to the agreement on was we've all been incredibly successful no matter where we were in our careers. We'd all turned around agencies multiple times, taken them to agency of the year, taken them to incredibly successful financially. So failure is not really in our DNA. And, you know, being frightened, <laughs> you know, and terrified will only further mm-hmm. fuel you to to figure it out really quick. Like uh, failure is not an option for any of us. So that was kind of the moment we all just kind of held hands and, and decided to do it. And then, you know, and then we're signing our shareholder agreement just as the city's being locked down and people are like <laughs> feeling jobs and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we held strong to that opinion that we could figure it out. Definitely. Wow. That's really inspiring. Now, your partners, the, the you know, Carlos, Denise, the other ones, when you guys, throughout the years, when you guys had encountered each other, was it always industry related or did you foster kind of interpersonal relationships with some of them outside, completely outside of work in the industry? I think Carlos and I definitely became good friends working outside of the industry. But I mean, I didn't meet him until I was on a judging panel one year and he was just the, like the kindest guy. There was a lot of ego, obviously, in the industry. And 
at that time, I wasn't 100% well-known, but he came up to me and just kind of started chatting with me. And that always struck me as really interesting and, and critical. Denise and Todd, it was professional. We worked together at DEB. I admired them as human beings and just their involvement with people. And But we didn't hang out necessarily. And same with Bev. Bev and, you know, when Bev and I, we had a, uh, I was uh, freelancing for her and in her agency, and it was more on a professional level. Yeah, that's really interesting. When you talk about how you started and how you met these people, like obviously when you when you say some of the names of the agencies you guys have worked worked at or worked alongside of and been partners for, it's very reputable. Now, yeah. what I see happening and kind of w- where a lot of the, the new agencies are coming from or new consultancy groups, I guess, it's like, you know, 20 to 25 year olds that are, mm-hmm. you know, one of them's, one of them's a social influencer, maybe one of them's a graphic designer, one of them was a nerd for shooting photos, one of them loves editing, and they all refer business to each other over and over and over. And we're talking, you know, obviously, mom, pa shops, a couple thousand to a couple hundred bucks for a project. Very different than the kind of projects that you, you and your partners have been working on and how you guys met. Yeah. Thinking about those those little guys, those, those kids who are essentially starting, we call them kids, they're like mid-young 20s. <laughs> these, young, these younger guys who are starting their, yeah. their agencies and, you know, they're just referring these smaller gigs to each other. You know, is, is there some advice you can give those guys, having just gone through this process yourself at, at quite a mature level in your careers, what kind of advice, if you were to put yourself in, in the shoes of these younger entrepreneurs starting their little consultancy agencies, what kind of advice would you give them? No, I just think it's like strive to be the best at what you do and, and see the value in what you do. I think there's a lot of pressure to just take whatever people give you. But I, I think at the end of the day, the industry gets better if we all push to be our best and hold to our value. Those young, young companies yes. um, have a ton yes. of value. And I think, you know, we've created a narrative where everybody thinks they're desperate. But at the end of the day, you know, when you create great product, clients will know that they need you and they'll be willing to pay for it. And you just need to hold true to that value. I think that's the most important thing because I think we've gone through a period where people are willing to drop their pants absolutely, for any project. And I just don't think that's necessary. I think we need to get back onto a more confident footing. Definitely. That's uh, that's some pretty similar advice that I find myself giving too, is like um, stay true to your value, know your worth. Uh, you know, when I was starting my agency, a lot of the advice I would be given is like, say yes and figure out how to, Mm -hmm. how to do it after. And there is some truth to that. And there's definitely, you know, some value to taking that approach when you're starting off. But I think, you know, looking back on the last eight years, if we had just stuck to our guns and understood our value, and obviously that means different things at different maturity states for your agency, you know, understanding billable hours versus non-billable hours, for example. Yeah. If I knew our values at the very get-go, I probably could have shaved like three or four years of heartache, you know, right yeah. off of our yeah. history. Yeah. I got two more too. I think like Carlos says the best when we were at Cassette, you know, he said, remember you we're our number one client. And that gets back to that value thing where it's like nice you have to take care of your own brand and that means your output needs to be the best because that's the only thing that's going to ensure your success and your ability to succeed for your clients. Uh, I think that's, that's huge. And then the other side is like, man, as long as you're in this industry, you called us old, Daryl. I think that's what you were saying is what you and I are old. I'm way older than <laughs> I can to you. But you know, I, what I love about the group that I work with is we don't think we have it figured out. Like we have a, 
we have a really strong understanding, but we really love learning. Mm. And I think that's the most important mm. thing is being flexible enough to, to understand where you have blind spots, but also to know what you know and what that means. And then you can grow as an agency over time and you'll always be insulated against any changes. Definitely. When you're talking about your first point, that campaign, I guess it was just a video, but it was by Zulu, the no free spec video. Got to yes. be one of my favorite things to look at on YouTube. I show yep. that to everyone that's looking to start their own agency or start their own consultancy. I'm like, check out this video and it'll explain in three minutes something that you need to understand integral to your success in the coming years. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Zach's got it figured out on that end. Do a great job. Definitely. Jay, I wanted to, uh, I have one last question before we jump into our rapid fire <laughs> questions here, but um, I wanted to be able to understand, you know, what is, what is Broken Heart Love Affair getting up to going into Q4 and, and 2022 beyond, beyond the client work, right? You guys are going to be able yeah. to obviously crush those, but could you perhaps share something with our audience in terms of, you know, what is your agency looking to do? What's on the vision board for the next little bit here? Yeah, I think we've grown considerably. We just acquired a new office because we need more space. Nice. Moving Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's kind of a fun time right now. And we've just come out of our first full fiscal year. And I wrote a post and it's like we accomplished the three goals that we set out and the three like big goals that you know we really wanted to accomplish, nice. which was kind of like a you know four to five X growth in our first year and then um win a can lion in our first nice. year during the pandemic and then get recognized internationally as kind of a, a up and coming agency. And we hit that one with that age uh, newcomer just like last week. So that's what was. And I oh think man, congrats. My favorite thing in the world that Carl's ever did to me, we won agency of the year at cassette for the first time. And as we're on stage, he kind of leaned over and whispered in my ear and said, we have to do this again next year. You know that, right? And so I look at this year <laughs> as a bit of a kick in the butt for next year, which is, if we did that, then we need to do even bigger things. I think, you know, I want to grow, uh, and I think my par- partners share the same values on this one, but at a reasonable kind of four to five uh, X growth again, that may or may not be within Canada or outside of Canada. We have to figure out what the game plan is there. But, you know, that that's part one of it is I think managing our growth and growing appropriately uh, over the next year is going to be our biggest challenge and our biggest opportunity. On top of that, I think, you know, we've aspirations to be the top agency in Canada and to start getting recognized on the global stage for being a huge creative force and get mentioned in the same name as, you know, our friends at Gut, which we admire greatly and, uh, you know, others uh, in the past like Droga, but, you know, get our name up there and start to become a little bit more of a household name on the international stage is going to be kind of our next big play for us. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I'll be I'll be rooting for you guys and following the journey for sure. That's uh that's great. And and congratulations on that growth. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's jump into our rapid fire questions here. There's no wrong answers. Uh, they can be <laughs> one sentence, a couple sentences. Really, it's just for our audience to kind of get to know you a little better through some gut checks. So I'll just kick us off. So what was your first job? My first job was at a restaurant called Bowinkles in Calgary as a, a cook. I had to wear a Mountie uniform. I think I was 15 and I was cooking hamburgers on the grill. You had to wear a Mountie uniform on the line? On the line. Yeah. They weren't messing around. It was like, yeah, that's like true brand integration right there. I had to feel like a Mountie was. Cooking <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, that definitely be a lawsuit these days, I feel. 
Are you a night owl or are you, are you an early bird? That's a good question. It depends. I would say I'm an early bird in the winter and I'm a night owl in the summer. Nice. Do you remember the first thing that you ever marketed? Yeah, that birdhouse. Oh, nice. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. What is the last charity you or or your agency has decided to support financially with or with your time and why? The last one was Kids Help Phone, I believe. But we personally get involved in charities quite a bit on the side as well. Nice. What is a COVID habit you've picked up? <laughs> uh, working out. I've kind of gone the inverse. Uh, like the, oh, nice. I like, yeah, I call it my, my kind of COVID prison workout routine. But yeah, I've lost weight and, and gotten in shape over COVID, which is crazy. Yeah, that's opposite of everything yeah. that I've heard. What's your favorite app on your phone? Golf Blitz. It's a crazy golf, golf Blitz. Game. Yeah, it's just like literally just like golfing and you're just trying to like you can you can like smash other people around and stuff, and it just it's a it's a time killer for me. It's like my brain clear. I play it when I just need to think of nothing. That's amazing. If you weren't doing this job, if you weren't doing this in, in this industry, what would you be doing? Uh, I'd be a chef. I'm like obsessed with cooking. I love food. When I go to my cottage, I read cookbooks like just relentlessly. I've probably torn through about. I don't know, 50 cookbooks this summer already. 50? That's crazy. Yeah. What is, if you were to run out of your house right now, what would you grab as your most treasured physical possession? My dog. Nice. <laughs> what she kind can. of dog you got? She got she's a Aussie Shepherd. Oh, yeah. She's a tri-red Aussie Shepherd. Yeah. She'd be first thing I'd grab for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I got a little Cavalier Beagle. I remember a oh, couple no. of years ago when there was the, the the like the most recent earthquake scare in Vancouver, there was like a tiny earthquake in the middle of the night. And within yeah. two seconds, I had my go bag on in my yeah. boxers holding my dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's just life right there. That's amazing. I love it. Absolutely. And then uh, second last question here is what is the most important thing you've, you've ever changed your mind about? So... Oh, most important thing, I think my perspective on myself, I think, you know, the question everybody asks me is like, you know, what made you successful? I don't know if I'm successful, but I would say when I saw more success in my life is when I finally accepted who I was and didn't shy away from it in the workplace. And I think, you know, my early days, I tried to be somebody I wasn't. And now that I just allow myself to be me, um, people accept me and I'm infinitely more successful because of it. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you better, hearing about your, your rich history, learning a little couple things from you. Our audience definitely will, will pull a lot of value away from our time together. So I appreciate it. Thank you. And hope uh, we get to talk soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Daryl, for very much for this opportunity. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, 
and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.